But what is the faith commitment? It's initiated by the revelation of God. As I spoke, some of you thought, well, maybe God could use me. And it's initiated by that revelation, but it's ignited by our response by saying, here am I, Lord, send me. What a blessing tonight to be able to be here and to be a part of this missions conference. I'm thankful for my friendship with uh, Dr. White as well as so many of you. Um, I'm grateful for meeting some of you for the first time. Others we met before and you've been here through the years and this is your legacy. These missionaries on the wall and uh, of course that represent what God has called you to do. I'm excited about this because I know your pastor's commitment uh, to missions uh, to host a conference like this has to begin with a vision and with a, a purpose. I have often believed this, and I'd like you maybe to remember this. A church is not measured by its seating capacity. In the eyes of God, a church is measured by its sending capacity. It may be tonight that God would be speaking to you. It may be tonight that God would speak to you about being a missionary. Now some, it may be a family member, maybe somebody you work with. It may be somebody across the street. But for others, it may be around the world. And tonight, I'm praying that God will work in your life. I appreciate so much the Dinsmore family. I had the chance to meet them for the first time last night and so thankful for what God is doing in their life. And I'm so thankful for the clay that God made. And, and while on the wheel, the Lord used them and made it again. And now you're going back. And I just am so thankful they're here. I hope that you will support them, that you will stand behind them uh, to tell the churches for now, uh, we're going to surrender our support. And when we get ready to go back, we'll let you know. I think that takes such integrity. And uh, I, if I were a church, uh, a pastor of a church, I would look for men just like you. And I want you to know, I thank God for you and your family. And I know the Lord's going to use you in a wonderful way. You know, we'll soon be collecting the Faith Promise cards. And if you don't have a Faith Promise card, uh, I hope you'll get one. If you don't, uh, let me just say it's okay. Because when I was a pastor, if you didn't fill out a card, I filled one out for you. So I know pastor will do that tonight. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I hope that you will realize that tonight um, you will be casting your vote for worldwide evangelism this weekend. I shared with you Sunday that there really are four ways that you will vote, whether you realize it or not. Uh, you may vote in, in a way by saying, I've not been involved with Faith Promise Missions, but by God's grace, I will start with this conference. It could be that you've never been involved, but maybe God has lit a fire in your heart. And you're going to say, that's not going to continue. I'm going to start in this conference. Another way you could vote is you might would say, I'm already involved and currently I'm giving to Faith Promise Missions. And by God's grace, I want to increase my support. 
I want to send more missionaries to the field. That's how you will vote. Others may say, I currently support Faith Promise, but I don't plan on increasing my offering, and I realize this means we cannot increase our outreach, the outreach of sending missionaries around the world. That's another way of voting. Tragically, there's one other way. It's where you say, I do not support Faith Promise missions, and I do not plan to start, and I realize that this is a vote to call every missionary home from foreign soil. So as you look at the missionaries on the wall, both in Canada and to the uttermost, you will cast your vote. And I'm excited because just the time that I've spent with you, I can feel the pulse. I can feel the heartbeat of a church that has a heart for missions. And I'm grateful for that. Hudson Taylor said, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Brother Dinsmore last night shared that it was Hudson Taylor that said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. That's what our pastor is doing. And I love what Jim Elliott, the missionary that was martyred and lost his life in the late 1950s to the Alca Indians of Ecuador. He said, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. When we think about missions, there's nothing foolish about it. You are laying up treasures in heaven. You are investing in the kingdom. And where your treasure is, the Bible says, there will your heart be also. P.F. Brees said, we are debtors to every man to give him the gospel in the same measure in which we have received it. If you've received the gospel tonight, there's somebody waiting on the other side of our obedience at this conference to hear the gospel in the same way. Please turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But in verse 6, it says, But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let us pray. Father, please bless the reading of your word. Still our hearts. Cause our minds to stay focused upon why we are here. And Lord, tonight again, I pray that you would move. The song has been the invitation. Here am I, Lord, send me. God, I pray tonight that you would work. And Lord, we'll thank you for what you're going to do. And again, if there's somebody here that does not know you as their Savior, may they trust in you as our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.
It's been said the worst crime of the desert is knowing where water is and not telling others. Keith Miller and Bruce Larson wrote in their book entitled The Edge of Adventure, a letter was found in a baking powder can wired to the handle of an old pump that offered the only hope of drinking water on a very long and seldom used trail across Nevada's Armagosa Desert. The note said, this pump is all right as of June 1932. I put in a new sucker washer in it and it ought to last five years. But in time the washer dries out and the pump has got to be primed again. Under the white rock, I buried a bottle of water out of the sun, cork end up. Now there's enough water in it to prime the pump, but not if you drink it first. Pour about one-fourth and let her soak to wet the leather. And then pour in the rest medium fast and pump like crazy. You'll get water. The well has never run dry. Just have faith. And when you get all watered up, fill the bottle back up and put it where you found it for the next thirsty fellow that comes along. Sign, Desert Pete. P.S. Don't go drinking the water first. Prime the pump with it and you'll get all the water you can hold. You know, tonight, that's what we're doing. For so many, you have been uh, pumping and sharing the water of what God has given you and sharing for others to find that everlasting water. But tonight, maybe we need to prime the pump. Maybe after a year, things have started to dry from our understanding of what God wants from us in a matter of a faith promise commitment. I will tell you that faith promise giving is an adventure. It's the priming of the pump for all that God has in store for us. You never know what God's going to do from this conference. You never know what will take place tonight in this meeting. It really is an adventure. Let me remind you that faith promise missions giving has an eternal benefit for every believer as well as the local church. First of all, it allows us to be obedient to the Great Commission. If we fail to go and to tell others about Christ, it's, it's a great omission. But tonight, faith promise has an eternal benefit. Secondly, because countless souls are reached with the gospel. When we review the priorities of our lives and, and our ministries, several things will take place. We will give an account to Almighty God, not only for what, what we give, but tonight for what we decide we will keep. That's what faith promise does. And as we think about it, we determine by faith and the grace of God what we will do as individuals and as a church family for the kingdom of God and for worldwide evangelism. Making a decision based entirely upon faith is at its very core the Christian experience. As believers in Jesus Christ, our relationship started with a faith commitment. Ultimately, we call that salvation or conversion. 
When you were married, you um, committed that, uh, that holy commitment with two words. Do you remember what they were? I do. Now, we have a couple down here on my right that in just about a, a year, they're waiting, they're engaged now, and, and um, they're going to say those words, I do. Can you say that right now? I I'm listening. The whole church is listening. He needs counseling. I'm just. But you know, that's where it all started. With Regina and I, what made me married to her was not just loving her. It wasn't buying gifts or perfume or or candy. All of those things are wonderful. But that's not what makes a person married. What makes a person married is when they come to the place where they say, Lord, to each other, I do. And that's the same way with being saved. Lord, I do know that I'm a sinner. I do know if I got what I deserve, I would go to hell. And and I do believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And the best way I know how, I ask you, to forgive me of my sin. I do believe that you were buried and rose again. And right now I do trust in you as my Savior. It all starts with a commitment. When we think about this faith commitment, the Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave him the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. For you are all the children of God, according to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26, by faith in Christ Jesus. Paul wrote in Romans 10 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and if we'll believe in our heart that God is raising from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Church, what I'm saying is our relationship with Christ began with a faith commitment. And after we accept Christ as our personal Savior, we're called to live and to walk by faith. The just shall live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. In Galatians, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Mason said, the more we know of God, the more unreservedly we will trust Him. And the greater our progress in theology, the simpler and more childlike will become our faith. And this is to be done on a daily basis. It's moment by moment. We place our future in God's sovereign hands, and we place our hope for today in his holy hands. This includes not only our future, but it also our family, and many struggle here, but also with our finances. Tonight, I want to remind you that during a especially trying time in the work of the China Inland Mission, Hudson Taylor wrote back, And said to his wife, when asked how they were doing, he said, we have 25 cents in all the promises of God. You see, in the area of faith promise giving, the Bible is clear. God wants us to trust him. God wants us to dare, just as you did when you you called upon him to save you. He wants us to trust him. We're to do that. In Proverbs, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and to lean not into our own understanding, but in all of our ways, we're to acknowledge him and he'll direct our path. 
In 2 Corinthians 9, it says, He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. Do you remember, church? For God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I told you last uh, Wednesday evening that God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take it from a grouch. You'll just have to decide which you'll be tonight. But God desires us tonight to prove him. He says, prove me now. Herewith saith the Lord of hosts. It goes on to say that if I will not open you up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. The book of Hebrews introduces us to names of men and women who walk with God and live by faith. Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Moses and Rahab and Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and multitudes that are unnamed in the text but are recorded in God's eternal record in heaven. Hebrews 11 is not about a lot of great men and women that did God a favor by doing great things. It's about ordinary men and women who trusted God through faith and through his strength did what they did for his glory. And their lives for us tonight serve as an example to every serious Christian. Let me share with you, genuine faith always comes with a godly commitment. James wrote and said, you show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works. So what does it mean to express our faith in a commitment to God? Let me lead you to examine the scriptures and discover two things. Number one, what is not a faith commitment? What's not a faith commitment? Number one, it's not blind optimism. It's not jumping off a cliff with nowhere to land. It's not positive thinking or, or just saying, I don't understand it. I don't know how it's going to work and it doesn't make any sense, but I'm just going to trust God. That's not what we're talking about. We're asking you to take this book and to lean upon his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not blind optimism. It's not a leap in the dark. Faith does not believe in spite of actual evidence. Faith believes because there is evidence. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but it's the evidence of things not seen. Augustine said, faith is to believe what we do not see, and the reward of faith is to see what we believe. It's not a leap in the dark, and it's not in the object itself. Somehow we get all turned around when we start placing our faith in faith. Now that's what the charismatics want you to do. They want you to trust and have more and more and more faith, and you start putting your faith based upon the volume or the weight or the amount of faith that you might have. The real issue is not how much faith we have, but rather who or what we place our faith in. Warren Wiersbe said, remember, faith is only as good as its object. If we trust people, we get what people can do. If we trust money, we get what money can do. If we trust ourselves, we get what we can do. But if we trust God, we get what God can do. So we see what is not a faith commitment Tonight, what I want to challenge you to understand is what is a faith commitment? What is it tonight that pastor is leading us together to embark upon? Let me share with you what a faith commitment looks like. 
George Mueller said, Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There's no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. That's where faith stands. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. So what is a faith commitment? Number one, write this down. Faith is initiated by revelation from God. That's what we're asking God to do. Faith is initiated by revelation from God. Faith always begins when God speaks. Until God speaks, we have nothing to place our faith upon. Paul said, for I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then every situation of the people of Hebrews 11 moved and responded because of what God said or did. Tonight, that puts us in that same place. I love the words of Spurgeon. He said, I would recommend you either believe God up to the hilt or else you not believe it at all. Believe this book, the book of God, every letter of it, or else reject it. There's no logical standing place between the two. Be satisfied with nothing less than a faith that swims in the deep end of divine revelation. A faith that paddles about the edge of the water is poor faith at best. It is little better than dry land faith. And that, my friend, it's not good for very much. Tonight, as we think about it, Dr. Elton Trueblood said, Faith is not belief without proof, but trust without reservation. Our faith must be pinned upon the promises of God. Forty-five years ago, I remember being in a Bible college class. One of my instructors, a wonderful man of God, his name was Ted Winkler. He and his wife had served faithfully down in Central America as a servant of God and a missionary. Because of their health, they had to come home in the later years of their life. And I can still remember in that class, it was the introduction to New Testament missions. I can remember a statement he said, and he's, I've never forgotten it. He said this, Men, never doubt in the dark. What God has shown you in the light. Maybe tonight, maybe this week, through the revelation of God, He will begin to show you you can trust Him. The world will mock you, but never doubt in the dark what God has showed you in the light. And tonight, if God speaks to your heart, that's the beginning of a faith commitment where we have a revelation from God. What is a faith commitment? It's initiated, first of all, by a revelation from God. Secondly, it's ignited by our response to that revelation. Proverbs 1 tells us, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you, and I will make known my words unto you. Faith is not just a matter of saying, Okay, I believe that. But faith... Faith takes a box of matches where the wood, by God's revelation, has been built and the altar and the fire is ready. All you need is the spark. 
And faith takes that match and, and strikes it. And as it does, the light and the fire from that match can light a fire. For some, it's a candle. But either way, whether it's a fire or whether it's a candle, it's that spark that begins to move. And, and as we think about, the devil will do everything he can to blow that, to blow that fire out tonight. But what is a faith commitment? It's initiated by the revelation of God. As I spoke, some of you thought, well, maybe God could use me. And it's initiated by that revelation, but it's ignited by our response by saying, here am I, Lord, send me. You see, tonight, in James 2, the Bible says, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead. Yeah, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. You show me thy faith without thy works and I'll show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, but the devil also believes and trembles. At some point in your life, a faith commitment, a faith commitment is initiated by the revelation from God. It could be while you're reading your Bible. It could be while you're praying. It could be why you're hearing the word of God preached. And it's initiated by the revelation of God. But secondly, it's ignited by our response to that revelation. God has put the wood in order in your life and all the circumstances are there. The only thing missing is the spark. And God wants to light it now in our lives. And we see that we, Tozer said the Bible recognizes no faith that does not lead to obedience, nor does it recognize any obedience that does not spring from faith. The two are the opposite sides of the same coin. Abel offered a sacrifice. Noah built an ark. Abraham offered up Isaac. Moses left Egypt. Faith is simply doing what God says to do. What is a faith commitment? It's, it's initiated by revelation from God. It's ignited by our response to that revelation. And then thirdly, it's intensified by the resistance it faces. When you're in a conference like this, there's no doubt that God is working. And, and every time we take a step of faith somewhere along the way, we can rest assured it will be tested. Let me encourage you to write this down. You can't break God's promises by leaning on them. You can't break God's promises by leaning on them. And there are no exceptions. Be prepared. As you take a step in obedience to God, Satan, circumstances, as well as our own selves, will resist with every ounce of power that's found in them. You can be convinced tonight, even at an altar, give it all to God. But before you get to your car to go home, Satan will begin trying to question where God has already put a period. I challenge you tonight. Do not be discouraged because testing strengthens our faith. As you begin to step out by faith and make a commitment, maybe it's an offering. Maybe it's uh, to increase that offering for a weekly commitment. As soon as you do that, maybe Satan will begin to whisper, you, you can't do that. You can't afford it. Faith promise is not based on what you can afford. It's based on what you can trust God to give you. A friend of mine years ago, he's with the Lord now. I was just a young preacher. We were going through some trying times. And I remember 
he was much older than I, and I was at the time only about 30 years old. And we were doing our best. We were trying, but we had hit some hard times. And he handed me a little piece of paper, and he had written these words, and this is what he handed me. He said, Preacher, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. It's true. So as God begins to initiate this faith commitment by his revelation, and it's ignited by our response, we're trusting God. We've taken the match out. We've struck that match. And it only takes a spark to get a fire going. Now it's going to be intensified by the resistance that it faces. The old song says, if I never had a problem... I'd never know that he could solve them. But thank God, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. A faith commitment is initiated by revelation from God. It's ignited by our response to the revelation. It's intensified by the resistance that it faces. And a faith commitment is inspired by the rewards that it earns. Listen to me tonight. It will be worth it all when we see Christ. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that will diligently seek him. With Abraham, he looked for a city which foundation whose builder and maker is God. In other words, they were making their investment now, believing God was going to reward them in the future. You remember what David said? He said, I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Write this down in your margin. We are not in the land of the living. We're in the land of the dying. But how many of you believe in a place called heaven? How many of you have people that are already there? How many of you believe that the work and the labor that we have one day will be rewarded And I challenge you tonight to realize that we're not there yet. We are in the land of the dying. And there are two things that are eternal that we must remember. It's the word of God and the souls of men and women. Charles Hodge said this. He said, the scriptures teach that the happiness or blessedness of believers in a future life will be greater or less in proportion to the service of Christ in this life. Listen, those who love little do little, and those who do little enjoy less. Let me remind you one more time. For Christians, every road, every road leads to the judgment seat of Christ. Every road doesn't take you to Rome, but every road that we're on ultimately will lead us to the judgment seat of Christ. When we invest in these items of his word and of souls of men and women, we're investing for eternity. So what is a faith commitment? It's initiated by a revelation from God. It's ignited by our response to that revelation. It's intensified by the resistance it faces, and a faith commitment is inspired by the reward it will earn.
For just a moment as we close, I want you to look at what God tells us in the area of stewardship. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now, here was saith the Lord, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there should not be room enough to receive it. Proverbs 3 and verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. 2 Corinthians says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. In Luke it says, Give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. It is obvious we have a revelation from God on this matter. Now what should our response be? Deuteronomy 6 says, says every man shall give as, it, as he is able. Not everybody gives the same. It's, it's as we're able. As God gives us the equal measure of faith, how we respond to that faith is God promised that we're to give in 1 Corinthians 16, says that every one of you lay by him in store as God prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Hebrews 13 says, but to do good and communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifice, God is well pleased. You see, God desires each of us to make a faith commitment. Each of us. What is a faith commitment? A faith commitment is simply my obedient response to what God has said or led me to do. As he's speaking to your heart. As you close your Bible. As you put your pen back in your pocket and you fold your Bible and you lead yourself to go back home. A faith commitment comes with God's blessing. So what am I going to do in response to what God has told me to do? I want to honor the Lord. He says, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord, if I'll not open the windows of heaven. He said, give it, it shall be given unto you. It says in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall receive of the Lord in Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I love these words. It says, trusting when dark doubts assail thee, trusting when thy strength is small, trusting when to simply trust him seems the hardest thing of all. Trusting he is faithful, trusting for his will is best, trusting for the heart of Jesus is really the only place of rest. Jesus Christ is our great example in a steadfast commitment. Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Tonight, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. As we close tonight, every person must make a faith commitment to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Tonight, it says, and this is the record, that God has given to us eternal life. 
And this life is in His Son. And he that has the Son has life. And he that has not the Son of God has not life. These things have I written on you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You know, tonight this crowd, a good crowd for a Friday night, is divided into two separate sections. And it's not men or women. It's not young or old. It's not even male or female, adults or children. But 1 John gives us a sobering reminder. This is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. And he that has the Son has life. And he that has not the Son of God has not life. Tonight in this room are those categories. Those that have the Son, those that do not. We're talking about a faith commitment. The greatest decision you could ever make is to give your heart to Jesus Christ. I was 17 years old in a locker room when my football coach, my wrestling coach, told me about Jesus. I knew that I knew that God loved good people, but that night in the locker room, my coach told me that God loved me. I couldn't imagine that. But he shared, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Tonight, if you've never accepted him, give your heart to him. Remember the story by Keith Miller and Bruce Larson, The the Edge of Adventure? Let me tell you, there's enough water in this pump. It's already been primed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The hope for eternal life has been made possible. You'll get all you can hold. And let me say to you, our faith is not in a note in a baking powder can. But it's in God's word. And it'll never run dry. But you've got to prime the pump with your faith. And can I tell you, there's enough water for all to drink. John tells us, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Tonight, with every head bowed, hereby closed. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.